0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome in to Sunday Night Live here on To The Point. Lots to react to. It was a fun weekend. Lots happening in the world of sports. UFC 296 last night in Las Vegas, Nevada. We will talk about that in depth. Some interesting NHL results, some injuries, some things to look forward to, certainly with the Christmas break coming up in a few uh, few sports, some time-offs, we'll have a few, just a couple of days before we get there. But it was an interesting day in the NFL world as it has been all season long. You're watching and you're trying to figure out, as I say this every week, who's good here, what teams are threatening, who should we believe in, A story as old as time, the Dallas Cowboys are somebody that people want to believe in. They are loved, they're hated, they're polarizing America's team. Although, if they are America's team, they're about as successful as Colby Covington in showing it. They haven't won a championship since 1995. They have been close, but no cigar, and you're watching the last month of the season, and you're thinking the Dallas Cowboys can do it this year. I even started to believe in it after looking at a watered-down NFC and a watered-down NFL, quite frankly, where teams are all the same and you have a few above the rest, but you're looking at a product that is eerily similar. We get the Cowboys winning at home, beating the Eagles, beating the teams that they should beat. Huge win on Thanksgiving. And we get to a game today where the Dallas Cowboys head on the road for the first time in a while to play the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, who have gone through their own trials and tribulations this season. Rashawn McDermott gonna be fired earlier in the year. He had a speech brought up that he made in 2019 that was resurfaced recently. Lots of injuries on the back end. Josh Allen having an interception in nine straight games, which tied a modern record. So, But they're on the come up. They go to Kansas City. They beat the Chiefs. They had a tough game with the Eagles that you could argue they should have won. They have looked better as of late. Two teams that are feeling good, playing good, in Orchard Park, New York. And today it was one-way traffic. It was a beatdown, and the Buffalo Bills punched the Dallas Cowboys in the face, and the Dallas Cowboys had no answer for that punch. It was a jab, 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 and again, they couldn't block it. They couldn't defend it. They didn't know what to do with this style. Buffalo Oak toughed Dallas. Buffalo Oak game plan them. And I give credit to Joe Brady, to Sean McDermott, and most of all to the ego of Josh Allen to not change a game plan. That was working. From the opening drive, which Buffalo got the ball first, they ran it down the Cowboys' throat. Play after play after play. In between the tackles, James Cook, Johnson, Latavius Murray, Josh Allen, it did not matter. Buffalo could run the ball for over five yards a clip. To this point, because the game was still ongoing when I started recording this, the game was out of hand, so I started early. James Cook was running for an over six yards per carry clip throughout the entirety of the game. And normally, in years past, the Dallas Cowboys would deviate. They would change the approach. Sorry, the Buffalo Bills would change the approach. Oh, we're running so effectively. We're doing this, well let's throw the ball down the field because Josh Allen's got a cannon of an arm and that's how we win football games. But today they did not. And actually, James Cook today 25 carries for buck 79. That's 7.2 yards per clip, all career highs. Also had a rushing touchdown. But Buffalo ran for over 200 yards, almost 250 yards rushing to this point. And they have three carries. On the ground. They figured it out. Josh Allen only threw the ball today 15 times. He did not throw for 100 yards. But they didn't turn the ball over. They didn't make any massive mistakes. And this won't be every week. He's going to have this much success running the football on every opponent. But they knew they could do it, and they did not. Josh Allen, like any athlete, has an ego. And he knows he has a big arm, and he knows he can throw the football down the field, and yet he stuck to the plan. They continue to do it. And Dallas has a good defense. Today you might say, oh, they're not very good. The weakest part of the Dallas Cowboys are their linebackers. Micah Parsons is listed as a linebacker, but he's not a linebacker. He's an edge rusher. He doesn't cover anybody, and he doesn't stop the stop the run all that effectively. With Leighton Vander Esch being out, missing Clark at, in the linebacking core, it is weak. They don't tackle very well. That's why Dallas wanted Darius Leonard. It was between Philly and Dallas, and they both needed him. Getting to that second level, they were not tackling right away. James Cook was inning extra yards. That's why he averaged seven yards per carry today. Time after time after time, they continued to do it to a whole lot of success. The Bills have the players to be a great team. Stephon Diggs only had 48 yards receiving today. He dropped a few passes. Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, doesn't matter. Their offensive line mauled the Cowboys' defensive line and their linebackers. A physical group that took it to Dallas and they did not know what to do with it. Dallas went on the road to Buffalo and didn't know what to do. Dak Prescott was under siege the whole day offensively. They weren't any more successful. They just scored a a meaningless touchdown. C.D. Lamb. Great. Add one to the stat sheet. Make you feel better about yourself. Happy about that. But Dak threw for a buck 34 today. Threw an interception. Sacked three times. He was under siege. Greg Rousseau. Ed Oliver. Vaughn Miller. Briefly. That offensive line, when Zach Martin left, but for most of the day, and that was a theme in the NFL, the offensive lines are getting killed. They couldn't do anything. He's off target. He got the benefit of getting a couple calls for roughing the passer that, quite frankly, were bullshit. They didn't rough the passer. He broke the plane. He was running, but they gave him the call because you've got to protect the quarterback because player safety trumps all, and who isn't on board with that? <laughs> but they had nothing. A late garbage touchdown to make it 31-10, but we know the truth. It's a blowout. It's dom- domination, Holmes. This result is huge. Buffalo improves to 8-6. They need to win this game because of the results of Saturday football where the Indianapolis Colts edged the Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals led by Jake Browning beat the Vikings in overtime. Colts 8-6, and six, Bengals 8-6, and six, Bills 8-6. and six. They need to continue to win games and hope that these teams in front of them stub their toe and lose a game because they do not control their own destiny. Right? Now they they need to win every game to remain in the mix. And today was to me the hardest opponent they have left on their schedule and they won it. Cuz they play Saturday against the Chargers. And the Chargers played on Thursday night in that abomination of a football game and finally the Chargers fired Brandon Staley. It was a long time coming to Quote Gord Downey. He should have been fired after the foot after the playoff game last year where they led 28 to nothing and they lost to the Jags. He's not a head coach. He's a coordinator, which is fine. Defensive with the media. His defense had no life. That team quit on him in about the first quarter. And the Raiders had zero points. The prior week they put up 62 against Brandon Stable. That's a whole other story. Bills get the Chargers. They get the Patriots, and they finish at Miami. They might not be favored in Miami, but they probably should be. They beat Miami by 30 points earlier in the season. And quite frankly, I still don't trust the Bills because, again, they fail every time you see something. That's the thing. But I have to look at them right now and say they're playing great football, and they might be peaking at the right time. Josh Allen is doing what he has to do. They have a great running back. They have a great offensive line. Their defense is solid. And teams around them are starting to dip, starting to come apart, while they're together at the seams. I believe the Bills are going to win their next two games. They'll beat the Chargers, and they lost to the Patriots earlier in the year. I think they'll redeem that loss. Probably won't be easy, because despite the fact that the Patriots stink on offense, and they've had their problems, their defense comes to play every week. They battle hard. They intercepted Patrick Mahomes twice today. They kept that game close, even when it shouldn't be. They compete. It'll come down to that Dolphins game. And how important of a game is it going to be for the Miami Dolphins? I think it's going to be important. Because here's the thing. Dolphins got the Cowboys next weekend. In Miami. On Christmas Eve in the feature game on Fox. Not an easy opponent. Not a gimme victory by any means. Tough game. And Dallas will be reeling from this loss and pissed off in all likelihood. And it's not easy for Dallas because you go from one coast, you know, you go from the cold of Buffalo to the heat of Miami. So there's you gotta get ready for that. But Dolphins to close out their season with a wounded Tyreek Hill who did not play today and an offensive line that's questionable. They got Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo. I don't know if they win any of them. (laughs) I don't know if they win any of those games. Tough games. They could win all three. They could lose all three. Neither of those results would surprise me. But my point here is Buffalo at eight and six, they win their next two games, even if Miami loses one of their next two. Buffalo still will have the possibility to win the division. That last game of the season could be a division defining game. Buffalo would have two head-to-head victories over the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins currently are in a good spot. They still believe that, you know, they could win the AFC which hypothetically they could. But they're 10 and 4 need to keep pace, need things to go your way. A lot of things can happen. A lot of different things that can transpire. To me, the Bills are still a threat to win the AFC East. They're peaking at the right time. They seem to have more of an understanding of who they are as a football team with Josh Allen. Yes, he's great, but being reckless and great gets you nowhere. They're a focus group. And today was a statement victory. Yes, it's a home game. But it doesn't matter. you you got to find a way to win these games. And they did. And it wasn't close. They took it to the Cowboys. For Dallas. This will... Spark the conversation. Well, the Cowboys get too much chatter. The Cowboys are discussed too much. They get discussed a lot, so people think they're better than what they are. There could be some truth to that. I think every, every, I know, I've had this talk with all of you before, I think all the teams that are quote-unquote the most popular in every sport get talked about too much. The Toronto Maple Leafs get talked about too much. The Dallas Cowboys get talked about too much. The New York Yankees get talked too much. It's all true. And oddly enough, those teams that get talked about so much never win. But that's another story for another day. So do the Cowboys get a lot of coverage? Do they get clicks? Certainly. But I believe this season it was warranted. I started to believe in this team. I never thought they were better than San Francisco. But do I still believe at their best that the Cowboys are better than the Philadelphia Eagles? I do. Dak Prescott was playing at an MVP level until today. He was he was basically, you know, he was, say he's, a, he's a vehicle. He didn't have a starter. He didn't have brakes. He had nothing. He couldn't go anywhere today. No success for... Dak Prescott. So where does it go from here for Dallas? They need to be prepared for teams to run the ball on. And they need need, need to be more tough as a football team. They have a lot of bravado. They have a really good defensive coordinator in Dan Quinn. And not, a, not every offensive line is as physical as a Buffalo. But what I will say is they got Detroit in a couple weeks, and Detroit's offensive line is like this when they're at their best. We saw Detroit on set, uh, last night destroy Denver. Their offensive line can maul you when provoked. When they want to play great football, they will whoop your ass. And Buffalo's can as well. San Francisco is a different type of offensive line, but Christian McCaffrey is a lot like James Cook where he's shifty, he can run between the tackles, and he's just a touchdown machine. Dallas has to look up and go, okay, we're going to make the playoffs. We know this. And we'll be a big favorite in a wild card game if we do not win this division, which they might not because they got Miami, At Detroit, then they finish, I think, with Tommy Cutlets and the Giants. Or maybe Washington. It's one of those shitty NFC East teams. But we need to be prepared to play the best. We need to be prepared to deal with this. There was a report this morning. Jay Glazer, I think, made it. And Jay Glazer's a great reporter. That the Cowboys were sick. A lot of players... You're seeing this coming up. A lot of guys are sick this time of year. Toronto Maple Leafs had... You know, half their team was sick this week. It happens. One thing I'm grateful for is it's sick. You don't have to hear that it's COVID and players have to sit out. Thank fuck that is over. But they were sick. And we've all been sick. Doing things when you're sick sucks. And you're not as productive. And you're not as good. And it's probably not as good an effort. And... Maybe Buffalo caught Dallas on the right day. Because they're all under the weather, and that could be true. I still really like Dak. I love C.D. Lamb. Jake Ferguson is a stud. That play-action, run-game mix that we see, putting C.D. Lamb all over the field, I think that will work. But Dallas's offensive line has to be more cohesive. Their linebackers have to tackle somebody. They have to be prepared to play a physical team. Today's game can be one of two things. It can be a sign of things to come or it can be a wake-up call. Because the Cowboys can look ahead and say... That's San Francisco, but better. San Francisco can play the exact same game the Buffalo Bills did, except Christian McCaffrey might be the MVP of the league. He's better than James Cook. Trent Williams is better than Mitch Morse. To me, when you're one of these best teams, it's not about our seeding, and especially this year. Because in these selective conferences, in particular the NFC, I don't think there are many landmines. What I mean by that is, I don't think there are teams that fear you in the wild card. I don't think you should look around and go, oh, that team, we can't get them. That's a bad matchup, this, that, or the third. You have to look up and go, how can we beat San Francisco? How can we beat San Francisco? Philadelphia again. How can we beat Detroit if they play like they did last night? Those are the four. And I even think Detroit is a tier lower than the other two I just mentioned. Do the Rams present a fear if they can get in? Sure. But they don't run the football that well. And... Dallas wants their opponents to drop back and throw the football 30 plus times a game. That's how they win. Parsons, Gallimore, Dorrance Armstrong, Demarcus Lawrence, pressuring the quarterback, coming at you. That's how they play their best. That's what they want their opponents to do to them. It leads to the most success. So the Rams, who I think would fear, uh, will put some fear in the Eagles might put some fear in uh, the Detroit Lions. I don't think it does that same thing for Dallas because it's a different matchup. It's a different style that you play. You don't want to look too far ahead, but you need to be confident enough to look ahead, if that makes sense. You have three games left, and they're all difficult opponents, certainly. Miami Dolphins next week, they can run the football as well as anybody. Devonta Chain, Raheem Mostert, who got up to 20 touchdowns in the season today. They can run the ball, but it's a different style of running game than Buffalo. They do outside runs. They do jet sweeps. They're very creative in how they run the football. I think it helps Dallas next weekend. Team running the football down your throat, play after play after play, and it's demoralizing as well. It hurts you, actually, the play after play, and you can do nothing to stop the onslaught. So for the Dallas Cowboys, they need to look in the mirror and go, where are we going? Is it a wake-up call or a sign of things? When the going gets tough, when we're playing a team that can present the same style and beat us in the same way, how do we react to this? What do we do to counteract this? What's our approach? If they do not figure out if they do not make adjustments, they will lose in the playoffs. They won't be in the Super Bowl again. But to me, Dallas is still a very tricky opponent. Today was a bad day, certainly. They need to make adjustments. They need to play better. But they have an opportunity to beat a good team on the road next weekend. You head to Miami. Christmas Eve. Live on Fox. Christmas Eve. Full slate of games. I'd love to take the credit for that, which I'll take some. It doesn't hurt that Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. I will say that. That does, uh, you know, coincide. But I've, I have been pitching this idea for some time, I will say. I thought it was a fantastic idea to do it, you know. To have full slate. Used to have a bowl game on Christmas Eve, none this year. College football is not going to go up against the NFL, just smart. Because you're going to lose. But hey, I like what they're doing when it comes. You know, that, that There's a full slate of games. And Dallas and Miami is certainly one of the best of the day. No doubt about it. But it's, it's a big moment for. For the Cowboys moving forward. Dolphins win today. Thirty to nothing against New York Jets. No Tyree Kill, but Raheem Mostert, I mentioned, had two touchdowns. Tua was solid. The offense didn't have to play great, but two only had three incompletions. They ran the football effectively. They made some plays down the field, but they just—they went through the game. That's how I would describe it. They just—they did what they had to do, and they dominated. Bradley Chubb at three sacks, forced fumble, six hits on the quarterback, and the Jets, fresh off the massive performance from Zach Wilson against the Texans, he lasted a half. He left the game with a head injury, but it was not concussion protocol related. So to me, that signaled they didn't want him to play anymore. If he had a head injury and it's not a concussion, what do you have, a bruise? Bruise on the top of his head? They didn't want to say bench again because they've already done it a couple times over his career as a Jet. But for the day for him, he went 4 for 11, 26 yards, got sacked four times, got hit 10 times. And lost the fumble. Trevor Simeon lost the fumble and threw two interceptions in relief of Zach Wilson. That Jets offensive line, completely no-show. There was a report before the game, Aaron Rodgers might be medically cleared this week to return on play on Christmas Eve. It's not going to happen. Watching, he shouldn't want to come back watching that offensive line today. It'll be he could play, but he won't play. We've discussed this. The whole Aaron Rodgers already. I love Aaron Rodgers. I do. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Truth to power. I love all that stuff. But is he going to come back and play? No. But the Dolphins rebounded after a brutal loss to the Titans. Their defense stepped up. They couldn't have played much better. They got through the game. No major injuries all you can ask for, and you prepare for Dallas next weekend. Can't wait to watch that one. Some performances today. If I had to give out a game ball today to somebody, just from their performance, who played the best today, my game ball goes to Baker Mayfield Jr. the third. Of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who certainly had his best game of the season. I expect him to win NFC Player of the Week. 22 for 28, 381, four touchdowns. Plus, four touchdown passes to four different receivers. How do you like that? Chris Godwin led the team in receiving by a mile, but he didn't have a touchdown. 10 for a buck, 55 today. Also a career high for Chris Godwin. Baker was locked in. He was in the zone. The Packers couldn't stop him. They kept playing soft coverage. He kept finding people. Rashad White went 21 for 89 yards rushing today. He was awesome. But Baker may feel despite the fact that he was sacked five times. You showed why you kind of root for Baker Mayfield, and you kind of look and you kind of squint and go, he's a pretty good quarterback. He could be your guy moving forward. He just, he has the guts. He has the moxie. His teammates seem to really like him. He finds Mike Evans in the end zone for 11th receiving touchdown of the year. Chris Godwin have a great connection. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to me, are the best team in a really bad NFC South. They still have remnants of that Super Bowl team. Levante David was awesome today for the Buccaneers. His tackles and open space. Seven total, sack and a half. He was just phenomenal. Winfield had eight tackles and a forced, uh, forced fumble. And Vita Vea was all over the place. Didn't have many tackles, but he was poof. Kept breaking through, getting pressure on Jordan Love. It was a massive game because not only does it help Tampa in their hunt to win the NFC South, but also helps them in the wild card if they lose some games down the stretch. And normally you see a team like Tampa, who plays in warm weather, go to Green Bay in late December and lay an egg. But they, were, they kept going on six-minute, seven-minute drives, and Green Bay could do nothing about it. Sack him on second down. He comes up with a big play on third down to to get to, to pick up the yardage. Chris Godwin is yak. That's all he's doing. Yak yards at yards after catch. Yards after catch. Go into Green Bay in the frozen tundra and find a way to win. To me, at the very least, this year I expect Tampa to win their division. They might not. Could easily not happen. Because it's the NFL. But they close against the Jags. Home to the Saints and at the Carolina Panthers. I think at the very least they go 9-8. and eight. But to me he's earned the right to be a starting quarterback somewhere. Whether that's going to be in Tampa or not it remains to be seen. But watching some of the guys this year he is better than He's about mid-level quarterback in the NFL. He's better than most. Another NFC NFC South guy, Derek Carr, who hasn't had a great year in New Orleans. And I don't think the fans love him, and he hasn't played that well. He's battling about 80 injuries. He was great today. 23 for 28, 218, three touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. And the Saints, the Saints had their first game in a long time where their offense and their defense played well simultaneously. They went after Tommy Cutlets, aka Tommy DeVito, whose agent was on the sideline with his little fedora on and big spectacle, and it was a great story on Monday night. But it's kind of over. Tommy DeVito was sacked seven times today by the Saints. (laughs) He left the game briefly. He did not throw a touchdown. Credit to him, he did not turn the ball over after getting hit that much. But the Saints just went after Tommy DeVito. Cabasinon had three sacks. Breese, the rookie from Clemson, had two. Granderson, who I love, had one. They just they took it to him. And that's where you watch the Saints and go, that could be a team. They're seven and seven. They got at the Rams next weekend, at the Bucks, home to the Falcons. Somebody's going to win the NFC South, and it's not going to be the Falcons. It's going to be the Saints, or it's going to be the Buccaneers. To me, the Saints and the Buccaneers both have better defenses than the Falcons, and Baker Mayfield and Derek Carr have their limitations, but they're both better than the god-awful Desmond Ritter. But the Saints did not have Chris Olavi today, who's an All-Pro. Did not have Michael Thomas, and they won twenty-four to six. And yes, the Giants' offensive line is horrible, but they have players who can get after the quarterback. And when they're play- when they're paired correctly, they are threatening. So today's slate of two o'clock games to me were about the NFC South. Keeping tra- keeping tabs on it, watching the Bucks continue to pull ahead, watching the Buccaneers defense force Jordan Love into bad throws and affecting his footwork, which happened about three times today, where he missed guys he should have hit for touchdowns because they were all over him, affecting his pocket mobility and making him uncomfortable. Tough loss for Green Bay. Let's look at the standings in the NFC. Currently, we got the Vikings and the Rams in the wildcard spots, both at 7-7. Seven and seven. You have the Saints just on the outside looking in at 7-7. Seven and seven. Then you have the Seahawks, Falcons, and the Packers Go from 3-7 to today with that one loss. Giants and Bears are pretty much out of it now. Seahawks still have to play this week. They play tomorrow at home against the Eagles. Like I said for the Cowboys, it doesn't really matter. They're going to be the fifth seed at the very least. Eagles are wounded. Jalen Hurts may not play tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. He's nursing. He's under the weather like the Cowboys. He might, it might be Marcus Mariota in Seattle in a battle of dual backup quarterbacks with Marcus Mariota and Drew Locke doing battle. So who the hell knows? But if they play the Bucks, who they beat last year in the playoffs, or if they play the Saints, I don't think they're worried, but the Vikings, it's so funny. The Vikings lose on Saturday in a game that they should have won about three times to get stuffed twice on quarterback sneaks, despite the fact that Chandler was running the football so effectively the whole day. But yeah, let's go for a quarterback sneak with our unathletic quarterback. They lose a game and they stay in the second wildcard position. (laughs) They stay right there. Vikings with their with their fourth quarterback, Nick Mullins, they close against the Lions next week at home. Home to the Packers at Detroit. Not easy. Rams, they just beat the Commanders. Home to the Saints on Thursday. So that's a Thursday night game. Really important game this week. At the Giants, at Tommy Cutlett's. And they close at the 49ers, which could be an important game for the 49ers, or it could be they've already locked up the one seed. We shall see. I don't know. I think the Vikings could lose their final three games. I really think. The way they play, I love Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson, the pair. I think Kirk Cousins is up for a contract. They might bring him back. They might not. If I'm a quarterback and I'm looking around, I'd love to play for the Vikings. I don't want to live in Minnesota because it's cold as hell, but I love those two receivers, and I love T.J. Hawkinson, and they always seem just to find a running back. And I think Kevin O'Connell's a decent coach, good offensive mind. I think he's a, a player-friendly coach. That would excite me. They need to help their defense. They need to do certain things, sure. But if I'm just a quarterback, I want to play for that team because they have better weapons than half the league. Like Stafford. Half the reason the Rams are seven and seven is because Stafford's got deep, good weapons: are Tutu Atwell, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby. They're fun, like Justin Fields. If he went to the to the Vikings. Be fun. Be good. I'm sure Kyler Murray would love to play for the Vikings. If they could find another veteran quarterback to bring in, I don't think a rookie's the right way to go. But that'd be a good situation. It'd be a great situation for a quarterback to go play there. Fortunately for them, they played Jaron Hall this year, Kirk Cousins. The past Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins, they're on their fourth guy. And eventually they just kind of run out of gas. It, it, was, it was a game yesterday. They had to win. And they didn't. And then you see them lose, and Detroit goes out and spanks the Broncos. Whereas I'm thinking about it, Baker Mayfield doesn't win offensive, NFC Offensive Player of the Week. It's because... Jared Goff will. Jared Goff, 24-34, for 34, 278, five touchdowns. And Sam Laporta might go down as the best rookie tight end in NFL history just this season, had three receiving touchdowns yesterday. And another rookie, Jameer Gibbs, only ran the ball 11 times, but he averaged nine yards a carry. And David Montgomery averaged five yards a carry. Now, why Jameer Gibbs is not touching the ball more? I shouldn't quibble in a game you win by 20. But why Ben Johnson? He's a rookie. I don't give a shit. Put the ball in his hands. The kid's electric. David Montgomery should never have more carries. Ever. Period. End of story. But I love their team. I love Laporta. 758 yards this year as a rookie, 71 receptions, 10 yards per catch, and nine touchdowns. Nine touchdowns as a rookie. And he can do it all. And Detroit's 10 and 4 and still in the mix. Still in the mix because if Goff doesn't turn the ball over, they finish at Vikings, at Cowboys, host the Vikings. Can they finish 13 and 4? Can they beat the Cowboys at the Cowboys? Tall task. 49ers win again today. They're 11 and 3. They clinched the NFC West. Since their bye week, they've been an absolute machine. They put up another 45 points. McCaffrey had 3 touchdowns. Brock Purdy through for four. The MVP of the league. We're at that point where the conversation can be had, and it starts to you start to have that conversation for real. Who's the MVP of the NFL? Dak Prescott. Then I heard you know, Dan Orlovsky said Josh Allen, which. Don't understand that. Don't see it. It Tells you it's a bad year for an MVP if he wins it. That's just straight dope. But, I don't know. Who's the MVP of the league? I would think... That would be Brock Purdy, the favorite, right now. But at the same time, Brock Purdy's the game manager. All the players on his team are better than him. He had Tyreek Hill enter the conversation. Well, Tyreek Hill didn't play today, and the Dolphins won 30 to nothing. So that hurts his chances. Dak Prescott just lost by 30 points, and he didn't throw for 150 yards. It's tough. Josh Allen didn't throw over 100 yards, and his team won, but James Cook was the more important. His offensive line was more important. So Josh Allen, not in the conversation, but he's kind of pushed to the side. So it seems, by default, that the... It seems by default that Brock Purdy is the leading guy right now. He's the front runner. I'm trying to find this on FanDuel. But it's, it's a year where you don't feel like anybody deserves it Who, I think Brock Purdy's been superb. I think he's been great. But at the same time, I go, well, who's, how many, Who's really doing this? Who's the more important piece? And to me, it's just, it's strange. I don't know. Because I almost look at it and go, Brock Purdy is great, but Christian McCaffrey is a better player, which I believe. And Christian McCaffrey is more important than Brock Purdy, which I also believe. But right now... Brock Purdy is the favorite, followed by Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, Christian McCaffrey is fifth. You have Tua on that list. I don't think it's set yet, but the way the season's going, the way the 49ers have looked, it'll be hard for Brock Purdy not to win the award unless he completely self-destructs down the stretch. The one thing I could see is if Tua beats the Cowboys, beats the Ravens, and beats the Bills in the last game of the season, maybe he gets some love. If they somehow stumble their way into the number one seed in the AFC, and I don't think they'll win those three games, but if it does happen, and he plays really well, doesn't have any many interceptions, they play great football, I think Tua will be thrown into the mix. But to hear where the MVP of the league is like, I don't know. Just seems to be Brock Purdy by default. I've said Tyreek the last couple weeks. I don't think the MVP this year should be a quarterback because there's no quarterback deserving. McCaffrey, uh, Tyreek didn't play this week. McCaffrey jumps to the top of the line. McCaffrey has been such a difference maker for the San Francisco 49ers. He's their biggest weapon, hands down. He's rushed for almost 1,200 yards this year, 12 touchdowns, and he's got five receiving touchdowns. Close to 300 touches so far this season. Eight yards per catch, five yards per catch running. He just does it all. Today, 18 for a buck 15, one touchdown, five for 72, two touchdowns. Led his team in catches, led his team in receiving yards, led his team in carries, led the team in rushing yards. He did it all. As they put up a quick 45. on the Arizona Cardinals, Brock Purdy's polarizing. I think he's better than most. I don't think he's a Mac Jones. I don't think he's just a bad. He can make the throws. He's surgical. He doesn't need all the credit. That's one thing I'll say about him. I think he's very quiet. He plays great football. He Debo Samuel and him are starting to have a better connection. Is Debo another two receiving touchdowns today? But they got the best record in the league. They've beaten everybody. They've beaten all their tough opponents, really. They've gone through their tough patch. They got the Ravens next week at home, the final day of Christmas Day. They then go at Washington, and they close against the Rams. Not a brutal schedule down the stretch. Ravens is a tough game. Unless the Ravens lose tonight to the shorthanded Jaguars, it'll be the two teams with the best record in each conference playing each other on Christmas Day. Which, of course, will trump whatever game it is that day for the NBA at that time of night. But normally MVP is a big topic of conversation because it was Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes last year, and it came down to the wire, and Mahomes ended up winning it. But to me, it's not—it's not a big discussion this year because I think it's kind of a—it's a weird subject. Brock Purdy's going to win the award, and he's on—he's—he's he's on the best team, but he's on a team full of all stars. He's on a team where. One of the best tight ends in the sport and the best running back in the sport and the best left tackle in the sport. So, is he that good or is he on the team full of great players? I think it's a mix of both. But it's a quarterback award normally, 99.9% of the time. I'll make this prediction now. I think if Brock Purdy is in line to win the award because it goes to a quarterback and he's the only one that makes sense, it'll go to a positional player. If nobody steps up over the next three weeks to join the conversation, to be in the mix, and Lamar, who's second in voting or second in the in odds, he could do it. Because you get the Jags tonight, then you play the 49ers in Santa Clara next weekend. And then you play the Dolphins. she you'll have your opportunities to be superb. To be in the limelight. To show that you're MVP. Get the number one seed in the AFC. And win your second MVP of your career. But if there's not a quarterback that steps up to join the conversation, I think Christian McCaffrey or Tyree Kill will win the award. It'll be a positional player. Because I don't think Brock Purdy has done enough from NFL media to warrant getting the award. But there's no argument to be made for a quarterback other than Brock Purdy to win the award at this time. The Josh Allen argument is beyond stupidity. I don't want to hear it. Lamar has been good, not great. Dak Prescott's been very good, but in the biggest games, you could argue, he's gotten his ass kicked. And he lost to the Cardinals. That should... Mahomes, no. Hasn't had a good season. He's on a team that's very average. Uh, Jalen Hurts, again. hurt. Turning the ball over a ton, not in consideration. Jared Goff, no. Too inconsistent and had about a four week period, but he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. So eventually you run out of people. And that's kind of what I'm coming to. For rest of the day, Browns edge the Bears. If the Bears are going to move off Justin Fields. Today's another day to put on the the big board, if you will. They have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and they lose the game. Can't happen. A couple weeks ago, they had a 10-point lead against the Lions, and they lost. So it happened, it's happened twice this season for the Bears. You could say defense needs to stop, sure, but also when you get the ball back after it's not a 10-point lead anymore, you need to make a play, and it was a three-and-out late in the game today for Justin Fields. So Cleveland wins, they survived the Hail Mary attempt. Joe Flacco, three interceptions, but he still he made the plays that he had to. Huge win for the Browns. They improved to nine and five. They are the fifth seed right now. They can they continue to find ways to win. 38-year-old Joe Flacco doing his thing out there. Credit to the Browns. Miles Garrett, that defense, Kevin Stefanski. They've overcome a lot. And getting a win today, I think they you're going to get in. You're going to make the playoffs. Just You need to find ways to win a few of those games. And they're a game up of the Bengals, a game up of the Colts. And the Browns finish at the Texans, Jets at the Bengals. Can they get two or three? I think certainly they can. Texans are not in a playoff spot as of right now, but they stay in the mix with the Bills. By defeating Tennessee today, they're down big. No C.J. Stroud, concussion protocol. Playing a division rival, on the road. And they get a walk-off field goal in overtime by Fairbairn to win. We're looking around. No Tank Dell. No Nico Collins. No C.J. Stroud. Damion Pierce hardly touched the ball. Devin Singletary ran 26 times for Buck 21 today. Didn't turn the ball over. Case Keenum started a football game in 2023, which is staggering. He did what he had, 22 for 36, threw a touchdown pass. And they found a way. Noah Brown, 8 for 82. Dalton Schultz, Singletary had four catches. And I thought it appears the Titans are going to win this game. Maybe the Titans can fight for the division. They couldn't run the football other than Will Levis. Will Levis got sacked seven times through an interception. And Houston just found a way. Sometimes that's just stay in the fight, stay in the mix. They had the Browns at home next weekend. CJ Stroud should be back. Difficult game because that Cleveland defense, they can get after the quarterback. But credit to Case Keenum. I thought Houston would have went with Davis Mills, who came in relief of CJ's child last week's. Davis Mills, who was the starting quarterback last year. But they go to Case Keenum. They find a way to win that defense. Came to play for D'Amico Ryans. They're 8-6, tied with the with the Bengals, with the Colts, and with the Buffalo Bills. And the Texans, Browns, home to the Titans, at the Colts to wrap up their season. All winnable games, but all potentially could be dangerous as well for the Houston Texans. And not to mention, you could still be in the mix because the Jaguars are 8-5, and five. And the Jaguars have the Ravens tonight, and oof, I'm worried about the Jags. Ravens tonight at the Bucks, Panthers, Titans. Back half looks easy. We got a wounded Trevor Lawrence. Your team's getting more and more banged up. You're losing confidence. Curious to watch that game tonight. Let's see what else did I miss this uh today. Bears lose. Commanders lose to the Rams. Panthers beat the Falcons. The Falcons. Falcons in a game that he thinks an easy win. Going on the road to play Carolina, who has one win on the season. You go up and put seven points. On Carolina. In a stadium that had about 100 people in it, and that's not an exaggeration. Nobody there. Nobody knows this game is happening. you get the easiest opponent you could possibly have in your schedule down the stretch. You have Tampa in Green Bay today. Tougher opponent. You have the Saints playing the Giants. Tougher opponent. Desmond Ritter. 12 for 20. A buck 52. Bijan Robinson had seven carries. And he did fumble, and then he basically got in the doghouse for the rest of the game. Which, of course, John W. Smith led the team in receiving yards because why not? A backup tight end, sure. Drake London, who had like a buck 80 receiving last year, only had two receptions today for 24 yards. Ugh. I hate this team. They have so much talent, and they never take advantage of it. They follow the 6-8. and eight. And today, I think, really screwed them. Colts at Bears at Saints. Colts aren't a gimme opponent. Colts can't come to play every week. Gardner Minshew is better than Desmond Ritter. At the Bears... December uh, New Year's Eve it'll be freezing in Chicago for a dome team than at the Saints. Saints are better than the Falcons they just are. Yes the Falcons beat them earlier in the year. We've seen a lot of firings in sports recently. We just saw Brandon Staley get fired. Earlier this year let's what else do we I think Eberflus is going to be fired in Chicago. Saints, if they miss the playoffs, I think they fire Dennis Allen. That's another coach that will be fired. I don't know about the Bucs. The Jets are a possibility. Titans, I don't see them firing Vrabel. Commanders are going to fire Ron Rivera. Packers, I think LaFleur is safe. But you have your head coach in Atlanta. Who's got a mustache, Arthur Smith, so I like him. I respect the fact that he's not afraid to have a mustache and be ridiculed, even though it looks fantastic. Happens occasionally. But he's had no success in Atlanta. Hasn't developed a quarterback. I think they've drafted well, they just don't know how to scheme it. Their offense stinks. They get seven points in a game they have to win in Carolina in front of 100 people. It simply can't happen. You need to win that game. It's an inexcusable loss. You can win a division. You should make the playoffs despite the fact that you should never make the playoffs because it's an NFC South. But Tampa goes on the road and wins today. Wins in Green Bay, and yes, Green Bay aren't what they used to be, but it's still Green Bay in December. And they whoop Green Bay's ass. Kick their tail. And Atlanta puts up seven against Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. I can't even imagine going to this game. Bryce Young, Bucks 67. Sacked three times, he fumbled. Ugh. Gross. Falcons are done. Arthur Smith might be done. Thinking about it. Atlanta. Bears. It's going through this quickly. Coach's gonna be fired. Washington. I don't think they'll fire Dayball. Arizona, first year, no. Carolina already has. Carolina, add Carolina, because they need a new coach. Seahawks, no. I'm going to say Saints, yes. I'm going to say Dennis Allen, yes, because I think the Bucks and Baker Mayfield, my boy, are going to win the division. Vikings, no. Dallas, probably not. Lions, no. Eagles, no. San Francisco, no. Patriots, yep. Belichick, gone. Chargers have already lost a coach. Add them, Titans. I think Vrabel stays. Raiders. They already have. Do they keep Pierce? But they're gone. Broncos won't. Fight. I'm going to skip a team. I'm going to come back to them in a minute. Bills. No. Texans. No. Colts. No. Bengals. No. Browns. No. Jags. Potential. I don't think that's it. That's eight. Head coaching openings. And I'm guessing for some of these, but I think it's gonna happen. So that's eight openings potentially this offseason. Are we gonna have nine with Mike Tomlin? Pittsburgh lost on Saturday, really got embarrassed against the Colts. They fall to seven and seven. And I don't know where this is going to go. I still think Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the NFL. And I think if he gets fired, he will be hired by one of these teams. And I think the Steelers' ownership are smart about who they are as football people. They know his value. They know what he brings to the table. But his teams aren't playing that hard. They haven't been able to find a quarterback. The defense have been a little bit underwhelming. And it's just time for a fresh start. Been there 17 years, had a lot of success. He's never had a losing season. I think that's going to end. Because this team just fundamentally isn't that talented. They can't overcome the deficiencies. They finish home to the Bengals, at the Seahawks, at the Ravens. I think they'll lose all three. So he finished 7-10. and 10. It'll be his first losing season in his coaching tenure. Kenny Pickett's not the answer. Mitch Trubisky is not the answer. I think a lot of players in that locker room are frustrated. George Pickens, top of the list. I like the outline of their team. T.J. Watt's one of the best players, not just the best players in the NFL. It's a tough decision because you're moving off somebody you know is successful. It's the same as Bill Belichick in New England. Who are you going to hire that's a better coach? Than that person. And I don't think Tomlin's been running drafts and making player picks like Bill Belichick has for the last 30 years. So it might be time for a new GM in Pittsburgh, a new evaluator of quarterbacks. But optically it just it's weird right now. It's a weird feeling. If Belichick and Talman were both on the market, that would be something else. Two men have been pillars of success, pillars of normality in the respective markets. Available to the public. Which one would be hired for the Chargers job? Which one would go to Washington? Would the Bears want to hire one of these guys? I'm reading into this, but I do think the Steelers could be added to that list, which would make one, two, three, four, five, nine head coaching openings. because I think all these are going to end up being true. I think the Saints will fire Dennis Allen. I do th- Ron Rivera's fired. Chargers have already done it. I do think Bill Belichick's done in New England. The Bears are going to fire Matt Eberflus. Atlanta will fire Arthur Smith. Tough decisions will have to be made. Because you can't be 6 and 8 and you can't go on the road in front of 100 people in Carolina. And lose 9-7. You don't allow a touchdown the whole game, but you're an offensive-minded head coach that can only put up one touchdown the whole goddamn day. With Drake London and Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson. And B. John Robinson touched the ball seven times. I just said what happened. It's almost perplexing. You can't even understand. It makes no sense. It's like trying to teach a fucking monkey long division. You're like, what the hell just happened? It did. But an interesting day in the NFL. In about 10 minutes, Baltimore and the Jaguars are going to start playing, which is an important game for both sides. Baltimore is a four-point favorite on the road in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is gonna have one of those nights where he goes, I was the first overall pick. I'm still great. I might have a bad ankle, but I can still throw the pill. But tonight for that tonight to be that night. But I would take Baltimore minus four tonight. Next podcast will be Tuesday, so we'll not be talking tomorrow. Monday night football is Eagles at the Seahawks. My friend Emily's going to the games. So I have fun. I'm jealous. I mentioned Jalen Hurts, under the weather, been banged up all year. Seattle's got a tough card, but also it sounds like Geno Smith's not going to play. It's going to be Drew Locke for the second straight week. Eagles are a three-point favorite on the road. So two road favorites the next two games in the NFL. Eagles need this game. Important for them. They got Seahawks. I know they got the Giants twice. Down the stretch, including Christmas Day. So they go Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. They might have, I think they have the easiest schedule remaining. They can beat the Seahawks tomorrow. They are smooth sailing. And they'll at least have a punching chance of being with San Francisco to have the top seed in the NFC. San Francisco does have to play Baltimore. But I would take Philly. They got punched in the mouth the last couple weeks. I think they respond tomorrow. They might not play great, but they'll get a win in Seattle And start to prepare for the game against the Giants on Christmas Day. This weekend in the NHL, Thomas Tatar was traded from the Colorado Avalanche to the Seattle Kraken. As the trade freeze is approaching, Patrick Lyon was injured Thursday against the Maple Leafs. He's out for six weeks in a really weird injury. But he's been—he's becoming an injury-prone player. Columbus is a disaster. Adam Fintilli was on the fourth line last night. We talk about them a lot. They rule in incompetency. Winnipeg put a beating on the Colorado Avalanche. They are playing well. Mark Shifley, both ends of the ice, tight checking group. That was a really impressive performance from Winnipeg last night. They can continue to play that way, build on it. If they can play that style without Kyle Connor, they will be fine and be in a position to still be in the mix. When he returns, not to mention Jay Gottinger left the game for Dallas on Friday night. Sounds like he's going to miss some time. So, Dallas could be, you know, they're going to be with a backup goaltender for the foreseeable future. Kyle Dubas returned to Toronto last night. Big return, spectacle, Dubas. Lots of hoopla. And his team played so hard for him. They gutted it out. And they managed to only lose 7 to nothing. With... Austin Matthews not playing because he's sick. Martin Jones, the third string goalie in net. And they got pummeled. Just completely destroyed. Chris Letang was god-awful. Eric Carlson was a no-show. Sidney Crosby has been fantastic all year. Did not have a good night. Max Domi was great. Stepping up in a bigger role. He played fantastic. Mitch Marner, Nyes, Neilan, everybody was on the score sheet. It was a party for the Maple Leafs. They poured it on the Penguins. Penguins looked old. Penguins looked lethargic. Maple Leafs are young, vibrant, regular season ready, and they dominate. Matthew Nyes with the Gordie Howe hat trick. I picked the Maple Leafs to win the President's Trophy before the season started. Maple Leafs are five points back of the Bruins with a game in hand. After David Pasenak was ejected from the game last night for no fucking good reason. That's a whole whole other show. Me police are chugging. They're playing good hockey. They're becoming more and more confident. They look good on the ice. Since I called out Marner, he's starting to play better. So you're welcome, Leafs fans. Their only thing right now is their goaltending. Joseph Wall's out until TBD. If on the Maple Leafs, it's not on the Leafs just to start Ilya Samsonov because he was the goalie last year. They played Tuesday night against the Rangers, who they beat last Tuesday, and guess who was in the net? Martin Jones. Tuesday night, Martin Jones should be the starting goaltender. Martin Jones was in the NHL all of last year. Martin Jones was on a team that made the playoffs in the Seattle crack. Martin Jones is like this 96th or 97th most starts all time in the NHL, and that's look it up. It's a fact. He's not some scrub. The fact that they got him for the money that they did and got to put him in the AHL is awesome, and the fact that nobody claimed him is alarming. I talked about this. I couldn't believe they, that nobody did He's a good goalie. Big reason why Seattle made the playoffs last year. Him and Grubauer were a good tandem. And they ultimately got to the second round. He can keep you competitive. He can keep you in games. And he should start on Tuesday. Samsonov led in six against Columbus. He led in some bad goals. The team played dreadful in front of him. But them's the breaks. Sometimes the team plays like crap in front of you because they're tired and you got to find a way to overcome it. But you're looking around going, you've played four last games in Tampa and you lead them by five points. You've played two more games in Florida and you're tied with them in the standings. Four more points in the Red Wings, two games in hand. I mean, you're, you're in a good spot. The Maple Leafs. Senators are not – they're playing tonight in Vegas. They're already down 1-0. Jack Eichel. Put one home. It's, I think it's the final game of the road trip tonight. They were in St. Louis. Crushed. In Dallas, you lose a game. Just bad hockey. Ottawa's next game after tonight. No, they play in Arizona on Tuesday. So the road trip's not over. They got one more game. On the road trip out west. And then they go to Colorado. Pardon me. I'm wrong. They got a couple more games out west. Jesus. That's not fun. So they got a number of games out west. To come. They're back at home. Saturday against Pittsburgh. TJ Smith's getting time. They're not panicking. He's great. We all love him. Blah, blah, blah. Crap I don't care about. They lose tonight in Vegas. They got a couple days. I don't know if he's sticking around. It's tough to fire somebody right before Christmas. But he's going to be paid the rest of the year, so it's not that sad. He'll get his check. I'm sure he's already bought his gifts. Ann Lauer, wants, Ann Lauer wants to give him time. I get it. But your team is 11 and 14. Your team is last in the Eastern Conference. Your team is underperforming and your team's going to miss the playoffs again. So why not just start making changes now? I think it will happen. I think if. I think very well if Ottawa loses tonight, there will be a firing in the NHL tomorrow, and it'll be DJ Smith. Because you just can't keep going this way. I, they, they got a tough road trip. I get it. But you got St. Louis with a new coach. You got Dallas with a backup goaltender. And now you get Vegas. Vegas is tough, but the other first two games, very winnable. And you didn't win either of them. Brady Kachuk is playing hard. Since we only got the scenes to fucking care. Nobody else seems to really care that much about DJ Smith. Might be time for a reset. And if you're just going to wait till December 27th and you lose the games you don't want to do it the week at Christmas, optically it's not that bad because I'm telling everybody, he still gets paid. Still getting paid until the end of the year, until April. Nice guy. I don't know if he's a head coach. He's never made the playoffs as a head coach. That would tell me he's just not a head coach. Great assistant, not a head coach. I think we could see changes tomorrow if they lose tonight. UFC 296 with this weekend. It was phenomenal. Final UFC card of the year. Great year for the UFC. New champions. Crazy results. Awesome fights. Last night delivered. Start the show, two knockouts. Gaziev, heavyweight, improved to 12-0. Andre Feely, first-round KO of Lucas Almeida with a beautiful right hand. Ariana Lipsky dominated Casey O'Neal in the women's flyweights. Big, nasty armbar. Biggest win of her career. Former Bantamweight champion Cody Nolove-Garbrandt. First-round KO victory against Brian Boom kelleher Big victory for him. Then he calls out, calls it Davis and Figueroa. Which I think the UFC should book now. We'll talk more about the fights that they made on Tuesday, but Garbrandt against Figgy, two former champions, two guy that two guys that are at, have power in their hands at bantamweight. I'm all for it. Love that matchup. Then we get Irene Aldana. Carol Rosa, to me, it was the fight of the night. Absolute war. Both women had to go to the hospital after the fight. Irene Are, Aldana coming off a really bad performance against Amanda Nunez for the title in uh, June. Left everything out there. Striking performance. Lost the first round. Comes back. Wins the second and the third. She showed heart. She showed toughness. She got the decision. To me, is one of the best fights in... UFC history when it comes to females. One of the best fights of the year, Arena Aldana edges Carel Rosa. Then we get Alonzo Menafield defeats Dustin Jacoby in the featured prelim. Menafield's on a bit of a run here. Another fun fight. That was all before the pay per view. Then we get to the pay per view. Josh Hammett, Featherweight lost two fights in a row to Yer Rodriguez. And to Ilya Taporia, but he's tough as nails, doesn't quit. 39, fighting Bryce Mitchell, thug nasty on short notice. Less than two minutes in, he landed one strike the entire fight to one punch KO. Nasty. Drops him, Bryce dropped like a sack, of potatoes. he was convulsing. Was taken out of the cage before they raised hands because it was that bad. But Emmett has nasty power. In the featherweight division. I don't know what they're going to do with him next. Max Holloway Josh Emmett would be fun if Holloway wants to stay at 145. But Josh Emmett's still a factor. If he can catch them at the right moment, he can beat anybody. Josh Emmett. Then we get Patty Pimblett, Tony Ferguson. Patty Pimblett look better. Improved striking. But that gas tank's still an issue. He wore out. Still has holes in his game. I don't think he's beaten any of the top guys in the lightweight division. If Tony would have tried to get off his back in that fight, would have tried to get on the feet in the third round, I think he would have beat Pat. I think he would have finished him. But he did not fight intelligently. He gave Patty the fight. And Tony lost his seventh straight fight, despite the fact that David Goggins trained him. Who fucking cares? I don't think Tony looked awful. It's not he's not going to retire because he can't do it anymore, I and mean, he hung in there with Patty Pimblett. But if he retires, I get it. Seven straight loss, which ties for longest streak in UFC history. I don't think he's going to retire on his own. I think it's going to be up to Dana White to do it for him. But Tony Ferguson is a draw. He remains a draw. And that's the problem here. We get to Shavkat Rachmanov against Steven Boy Thompson. Learned after Shavkat had a torn ankle. So goes in the fight completely just he overpowers opponents. He gets them in the clinch starts to wear on them until they try to escape and he can get you into submission areas. He gets the rear naked choke on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson before the second round is over. Wonderboy taps. Shovkot improves to 18-0. 18 finishes and is an absolute threat in their welterweight division. Now, they could give him the next title shot. Absolutely. Because he's been that dominant. He's been a scary dude the whole way through. And he's fresh in welterweight. balaam Muhammad was a backup fighter. He's looking for a title shot. Gilbert Burns has gotten one. Kobe just did. Usman. Shavkat against Leon Edwards. Would be fine. Leon's won 12 fights in a row. Shavkot's won 18 in a row, and he's finished them all. Can he finish the champion? I could see the UFC going in that direction. We get to the flyweight title. Alexander Pantoja won the title in July against Brandon Moreno. And he had a very successful first title defense. To me, he won all five rounds against Brandon Royval some judge, and then gave him four. I thought, he, I thought he won all five rounds. Striking was solid when he had to be, but to me, his biggest thing was his, his jiu-jitsu. Took Roy Val to the ground every round. Had seemed, he had opportunities to get a submission finish, but he was never in bad spots. Yes, he got tired toward the end of the fight, which he did against Moreno. That's going to continue to happen, but he's so crafty. When he's in bad situations, he can escape, get the fight to the ground where he is at his strengths. Pantoja is a scrapper. Pantoja is a smarter. He seems to be getting better and better every time he steps in the cage. He was in there with a very crafty Roy Val who wins via knockout, wins via submission, but there were levels. Pantoja is better. Brandon Moreno Amir Albazi are going to fight in February in Mexico City. We could see a Moreno rematch. against Pantoja it could be Albazi. I think that'll be the next fight for Pantoja, but I could see him getting some time off for the next couple months. Then we get to the main event: Kobe Covington, Leon Edwards. Covington told Edwards on Thursday, "I'm going to take you to this to hell on Saturday. You can say say hi to your father while you're there." Leon's dad passed away, tragically. But Colby Covington, absolutely no show. Donald Trump was in the front row, cage side. And Colby Covington looked old and slow, like Dana White said in his press conference. For his first two and a half rounds, he didn't want to fight his fight. He wanted to stand there and just have a sparring session, a shitty sparring session. He was getting touched up. Leon didn't have to do much. It was a boring, really boring fight. And he won the fifth round. But he only started fighting about, like I said, two and a half rounds in. He wasn't aggressive. He wasn't doing anything. He looked slow. He looked behind. And it was Kobe Covington losing his third title fight in his UFC career. Two to Usman. One to Leon Edwards. That's it. He shouldn't get another one. Him getting the title shot was stupid to begin with. It built up the fight. He did a good job of selling the fight, making people interested, creating a storyline. But he was garbage. He called out Wonder Boy. Two older guys, they can fight, sure. I'm sure it'll do fine. Colby Tubman is never going to get a title shot again. He honestly should consider retirement because he didn't look good on Saturday. He looked old and he looked slow. And no chance he gets another title shot because there's too many good Walter Whites. Not to mention in the crowd, Sean Strickland and Dricka Duplassie, who are fighting in Canada on January 20th, got into a full-on brawl. Strickland was ejected from the building. There's a lot of tension in that fight, making the Canada card even better. And the Canada card, which we'll talk about, is looking great for Toronto in January. So fun stuff. What a weekend. One more week before Christmas. You can believe it. Got your gifts bought? Hope so, because you're running out of time. Tuesday we'll be back. Some baseball stuff I want to talk about that happened over the weekend that we didn't get to tonight. Recap the NFL, talk some NHL. There's some UFC fights announced last night that I'm going to save until Tuesday to talk about for that UFC 299 card in Miami. So that's all forthcoming. Have a great Monday. Have a great start to your week. We'll talk to you Tuesday. This is To The Point.